Hardcore Podcast, 185 Miles South Podcast, and the Post America Podcast have teamed up to deliver this special episode. We dive deeply into Terror's new album, Pain Into Power. We sit down with vocalist Scott Vogel, part one, hosted by the Post America Podcast, part two, hosted by This Is Hardcore Podcast, part three, hosted by 185 Miles South Podcast, Pain Into Power, will be released on May 6th. 2022. Sit back and enjoy. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we got a special episode. This is going to be part three of the Pain into Power triple cast. And uh, we are celebrating... Terra's new record, Pain Into Power. This podcast is in three parts. To check out the first part, you got to go over, listen to the Post-America podcast with Richie Crutch. It'll be linked up in the show notes, so check that out. Also, part two is on the This Is Hardcore podcast with Joe Hardcore. Check that out. And then this is part three. So make sure you go listen to those two first. We sat down for two or more hours with uh, Scott Vogel to discuss the new record and got into it. So check out those two first, then check this one out to round it out. You know what's up and uh, we'll hit the music and uh, catch you on the other side. Hundred and eighty five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. Scott, I want to shoot this one to actually all three of the guys on here. Uh, cause Joe and Richie they do a podcast called The Rule of Three, right? As well as their personal podcasts with uh G Gavin. And uh, so we'll try to step in and, and fill his shoes, which we can't do properly because uh, he's awesome. He is awesome. But uh, love. Yeah. Him. I wanted to shoot this. I wanted to shoot this out to the three. You kind of going serious how Joe was getting me for, but taking a step back, what makes a hardcore band? Is this one to me or should I let you guys talk about you this? take it first, but I want Richie and uh, Joe to take it too. <sighs> okay. So I'm going to break this down in my, my simple way of thinking is what makes a hardcore band is not a sound, is not, a, is not anything except if hardcore kids make music, that's a hardcore band. So if four dudes that go to a musical school, what's like, I'm so not Berkeley musical, school I don't music. even know what a musical school Yes. Four dudes go to Berkeley and you give them victim in pain. They could learn it. And a couple days later, they could make victim in pain junior. And it would probably sound really good to your ears. But that is not hardcore. It sounds like hardcore, but it is not. So when you got four young kids that can hardly play their instruments, but hear uh, 
what's something that's like hear a Kulu and they try to do a Kulu and it's bad a Kulu, but they're giving it their all and their energy's there and they're playing on fucked up instruments and stuff because they can't afford it. To me, that's hardcore. So when hardcore kids make music, that's hardcore. That's why I always would say title fight, hardcore band doesn't sound exactly like hardcore but those were bona fide hardcore kids making music. That's my answer. Next. Take it, well, Richie. I'd say there's a couple things. One thing is the band can't let someone get one over on them. You can't let the, you can't go to a club. <laughs> he goes right you, for the anger. You, you can't go it. to a club and then and then some faceless club promoter tries to say oh yeah we're supposed to give you x amount but i'm only giving you this all right like you if you if you're dealing with a hardcore kid negotiate all day don't even sweat the money all good if you're dealing with an outsider they no outsider could get one over on us if you're going to be a hardcore band (laughs) another thing is you have to feel like you're always going to cooperate with the scene and the scene comes first again if you deal with a hardcore promoter you work with them you deal with an outsider, there's no love, it's all business. So the, the scene comes first, be, even before your band, in, in my opinion. That's what makes a hardcore band. That's that's a it. great fucking it. answer. Zach, you want me to take it? Yeah, take it. I got nothing. <laughs> if we went off of Scott's answer, then we'd be calling Foo Fighters a hardcore band, so it's not possible. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not possible. Whoa. <laughs> Why are you attacking Scott? Just being honest. That's our guest. Who's the hardcore kid in the Foo Fighters? Homeboy was in the guy dude from was Bro- in, yeah, the dude Brotherhood. Brotherhood or dude, uh, he was in Scream. You might know him. <laughs> you know, like these are people that start That's in hardcore, hardcore and they know it's hardcore and they move on. The problem with your answer, and I'll come at you pretty quickly, is that I'm over this fucking shit. No, 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 wait, no, wait, no. wait, wait, wait. I didn't say they used ah, to no, 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 no. I said nah, they nah, are you hard- said the you said if a guy is in a hardcore, hardcore kid. Kids. Dave Grohl's a hardcore kid. The other dude was a hardcore kid. They started a band that has nothing to do with hardcore. Dave Grohl's a hardcore kid, right? When Foo Fighters were happening. No, you, you see, but this is the so this is the continuity question. I don't give a I said if hardcore kids make music. I didn't say if Old dudes that used to be hardcore kids made music. Uh, no, I think you're. I think you, you left that gray area open, and this is where I'm going to caveat in. <laughs> the key thing here is there's too many of these douchebag bands that are people. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you fucking asked me to keep it real, and this is rule of three style, so we kiss me. We spit facts here. The fact is, is if you fucking mosh to a fucking terror show, but your band sounds like a death metal band, you're in a death metal band that doesn't want to sell sixty tickets. So you start playing with hardcore bands. You're not a fucking hardcore band. If your whole fucking goal is to wake up one day on a bus most of the time on tour and you love playing behind barriers and you're selling posters for $30 and you love meet and greets, you're not a fucking hardcore band. If your goal is to be at some next level that's in the periphery, then you're not a hardcore band. The the number one goal and the simplicity of a hardcore band is to come from the scene, be someone who was on the floor, 
dreamt of the day they could be on the stage and share the feeling of what the stage is like to the kids on the floor. Now that's not to say the ceiling comes at that because as we all know, the world is a better place because agnostic front makes a living off of hardcore. The world is in a better place because Manball makes a living off hardcore. The world is a better place because terror makes a living off of hardcore. These things continue to push and support our culture. And knowing all of this, there's also times when bands from our culture will play other places because they're expanding what they do. But you're never going to have someone say, Agnostic Front's not a hardcore band. You're never going to have someone say, is not a hardcore band. But yet I've watched in recent times where bands have stepped up on the hardcore stages, some of them mine, some of them I fest, and then they move past it and their eyes never turn back. And we've seen some of our best bands do that as well. Some of our oldest bands do that as well. So for me to really place and say, this band is a hardcore band through and through, you know, like I talked to Lee Ving on the phone for fucking three hours one time. He's a cool old man who played in fear. Guy's not a hardcore kid. (laughs) You know, he's in a blues band before he was ever just happened to be that punk would come around. You know, there's, there's a caveat here. And I think a lot of what makes a hardcore band is a focus is a where it is. Now you can still have a management. You can still have a booking agent. You still have a record label. These are professional things that can help your career continue. But if at the end result of your career is to look in the rear view mirror at the past where you used to play shows that didn't have barriers at the past where you used to play shows and they weren't in front of tens of thousands, you know, that this is what these young bands I see on the internet do. They get way too in the metrics they get way too into these silly semantics about like tour life and laminate life. And it's just fucking complete fugazi Ooh. fucking bullshit. So, or they or they don't want to share a flyer on Instagram because of some algorithms. Oh, yeah. You hear that all the time. Oh, you know what? I don't really want to fuck with the algorithms. And, and a lot of it comes from some fucking bougie shit where they think all I have to do is get my band over this hardcore phase and we're going to go further. So for me, it's a mindset. Sonically, so much less important than a mindset because Converge has no manager. Converge still has Matt Pike book for them. Converge absolutely in control of their crazy ass destiny, whether it's them as the band or them with their new thing where they had the girl jump up and sing and Brodsky come up. A band who has control of their career, both creatively and professionally, that's more hardcore and more fucking punk rock than so many fucking things. So it's not an aesthetic as much as it's an understanding of the very basics of our DIY culture and understanding where they came from, what their fans built them up to be and their connection to the people that got them to where they are. Damn. Why? But the way you went out shot with that. Had to. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, Sorry. Joe, Joe, I, th- I think we're honestly saying the same thing because what I'm saying is a hardcore band can only be made up of hard. I'm not saying, hardcore people that were in the scene for a year and have done 20 other things and they make music, then it's hardcore. That's not what I said or anything that I would ever say. What I'm saying, hardcore has to be made by hardcore kids. And to be a hardcore kid, you have to follow all of the mindsets that you and Richie just laid down. So I'm what I was getting at was it's not a style. It's not a style of music or a sound. It's a mind state. So I, I'm sure that all four of us are on the same exact all right, fair page. enough. I take back my uh, criticism. And, 
Now, Joe, <laughs> well, <laughs> who would, when you, you're talking about what I call false hardcore, are you talking about anyone in particular or no? I mean, I could go on for fucking ever here at the time. Nah, it's just so even. many of them. I'm it's, teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It's a stepping stool, and you see it. And Scott, unfortunately, sees it because the nature of what Terror has to do is, especially with this upcoming tour, is filter through the fucking bullshit that is bands who need a Terror tour to show numbers so they can get on the next tour that has nothing to do with hardcore. And so, and and I know people listen are like, "What the fuck is he about?" But there is a lot at stake here. When you're the first, second, or third band on the Terror tour, Terror has a crazy good record of finding the band as they're coming up, just as they were the band coming up. And I think that's a really cool legacy to put a band on the way up on their billing when they're doing a tour record, just coming and doing a record because it shows focus and consideration to a band that could use a leg up. But I find today's world to be positioned with management and booking agents who have no care that maybe this band is going to, going to be using hardcore for a year or so before some other thing comes and they just fly away. But I find that terror has done a great job tactfully and tactically finding bands who are on their way up. And I think that the sad thing is to do business in the modern hardcore scene is to have to mesh things that are just outside the box of things I was talking about where terror will have to play with bands and bring bands on tour that want nothing to do than stand on that singer pedestal and, and sign that stupid fucking laminate and eventually be called out 10 years later for touching girls. That's the kind of bands that terror has to fucking play with sometimes because that's the nature of the business, but it's not terror's fucking fault. It's the way tours are bit. Joe's going dark. It's getting dark. The word's real. No, it's important to talk about though, because it puts terror in the context of what makes you guys so special, right? Like talking about all this, like ancillary stuff is very important because that is a legacy of terror. You guys kept it real for 20 years. And, and we talked about this before, Scott, like the importance of terror in the beginning was you kind of like merged a couple scenes, right? It was always separated before in the nineties of like people that would talk about, Oh, these bands are like tough guy, hardcore bands. And then these guys are like, you know, the straight edge hardcore bands or the youth crew, hardcore bands. And like terror kind of was like the unity that grew them all together. It's like, no matter what you're into, you like terror, right? Like, you're the middle ground between like mindset and Madball, right? Like both those bands can like you. And I think that's kind of a problem in hardcore is that we don't have a lot of things. Not everyone agrees on like tentpole bands, tentpole albums. And I think that's why it's kind of hard to write the history of hardcore, right? There's no real consensus on the best stuff. Although like, I think that the people on this podcast, like we kind of, you know, the AFs and Madballs, these are the greatest, right? <laughs> But if you were to ask 100 hardcore kids, you would get, you know, 90 different answers. So let me parlay that into my next question here. Quick, can I touch on that? Is, yeah. Well, I think that I'm a person that will listen to Stigmata, and then I'll listen to uh, Desperate Measures, and then I'll listen to Split Lip, and then I'll go to Death Rat. So, like... The, the way you said that we could bring all those people together, I'd hope that ha is a reflection of that I'm not trying to box myself in personally. Like I'll go to all those shows and befriend all the people in all those bands if I see genuine uh, 
energy in them and them playing from their hearts and and kind of the stuff Joe was talking about. If I see that in a band, no matter what they sound like, I'm not going to box myself out from them. I'm going to try to pull them into my life. And I think that's just the way I've always been. Like, you know, I've loved Cold as Life, but at the same time, I would listen to Falling Forward, like just back to back without blinking. And I still do that. Yeah, I mean that. In my opinion, that's the importance. It was one of the big important things about Terror. Also, when Bridge Nine did the Death Threat record, right? It gave like all the square hardcore kids like a permission slip. <laughs> like it's okay to like this band, you know? It's serious. I mean, I seen them. I seen them come and play before that got re released on B Nine. They played to fifteen kids. After the B Nine record, they draw two hundred kids. Like the record was out. Like it was. It was a CD already out on right. uh, Triple Crown or whatever, right? right. Um, so into the things that we agree with, can you love hardcore and not love the first Warzone LP? I hope not. <laughs> I, th- I think there's going to be some people out there that I would consider real that are too young to understand the amazing, uh, the overall amazingness of that record. Cause that that's like my number one hardcore record, but uh, it's a shame and they need people. I don't know if it's like gatekeeping or opening the gate, but there needs to be some older people to put that record in younger people's hands and say, this is perfection. Please try to soak it in. There's just some on there for everyone, right? Like it doesn't matter what lane of hardcore you roll for. Like there's something there, Joe. Can you be a hardcore kid and no. not like that first Warzone record? But the caveat, <laughs> but, but the caveat is, right. if if that was the answer when I first saw my first hardcore show, I wasn't hip to Warzone yet. The question that comes that really goes up my ass is, and it's not, it's not. This is not tailored to Scott, but it speaks of Scott's record label. In Pure Noise, they have a great collection of bands that are hardcore on that crazy periphery of hardcore. And what really goes all the way up my ass is as they're targeting hardcore as a demographic, I'd like to see one of these fucking labels that want to sign hardcore bands, take their fucking bands, take their whole fucking roster. And every one of them can't do a cover older than 1989. And then talk about how their bands are hardcore band. Because I think if the knock looses and all these bands that are on a pure noise, if they all covered something like that, it would give rise. And it would give these kids who in their beautiful young hearts think that they know about hardcore because they've seen the knock loose and they've seen all these other like metalish bands that play with hardcore bands. It's important that we try to expose them. And if it's on them, if it falls on death ears, the importance of the war zone uh, LP and the first seven inch. You know, I, I think it's important that people can get exposed to it, but the only way to bridge that gap is if something contemporary that they can relate to, expose them to it. Because if a Joe Hardcore is on Twitter saying, you guys need to listen to Warzone, they're like, oh, fuck this dickhead. But if somebody else at a younger <laughs> level that they feel is closer to their peer, maybe that'll be the incent. And because a lot of younger kids don't know enough about Hardcore. So I try to not despise them. But the minute I put someone to it and they're like, eh, not really my thing. Get the fuck out of my face. If it ain't your thing, we can't talk. 
look the other look the other way. Joe, we can't get mad. We oh, can't no, get no, mad no, at people no, no, though no, no, for not like. There's a caveat. Seven. There's a there's a. Should, inch sounds I, bad. I, I, this is a semantic of me kind of fucking around, but I'm also serious. Is if you if you're looking to sound like if you're like I really like this element of hardcore, and you're disregarding the Warzone LP, if you're disregarding Victim and Pain, if you're disregarding either right. the Raw Deal demo, the Breakdown '87 demo, you know, if you're disregarding classical things that with impunity are considered like foundation records, be it you today, GB, there's so many things. If you can say, I don't really get it. Cause it's a little bit too old for me, but I understand why it's cool. I have kids sitting there at this article where I'm like trying to engage. Like, Oh, you ever check out some of this stuff? Like when we've had Warzone on the bill or not Warzone, GB on the bill, it's not really my thing. And I'm like, and I try to say to them when I first got into hardcore, I got told everybody by everybody. Oh, you didn't see pagan babies. You're not in hardcore. Oh, you missed this band. You missed that band. It's important in your time to support the bands that are current. It's important in your time to support your local scene. But there's no reason with 40 years of hardcore and the ability to click a button versus having to do hours and hours of research and record flipping around and searching for these records. Now that they're so widely accessible on things like YouTube, Bandcamp, etc., it's important that the younger kids who want to identify with this culture take one second out of their lives from listening to the same crap or worse, talking about Slipknot, Corn, 90s music, like Ugh. fucking grunge and shit. If you want to talk about all this old goofball <laughs> shit, go back, listen to one old school hardcore record a month. If it's not yours, there's going to be something. Because I'll tell you what, the bold record has a couple tracks, not a whole record I would fuck with. There's always going to be a record and a band that people don't fuck with, but the younger kids have completely absconded and they're like, I only care about this and I don't give a fuck. Not everybody, but some. So a record like Pure Noise who puts efforts into trying to get hardcore bands and promote towards hardcore, they should put their ass behind a compilation where the bands on their label cover everything up to 1989 and it has to be hardcore. No fucking nonsense. And that doesn't yeah, pure guys. noise. Put your money where your mouth is, you motherfuckers. Well, they should they should not drop take offense it, after one record during a pandemic. It's uh, that's on. not a bad idea, Joe. Young hardcore, current young hardcore bands covering old bands that they give a nod mm-hmm. to. You're pretty smart, Joe. I got yeah. a question though. I know Richie still has to answer, but. Can you be a hardcore kid if you don't like the second Warzone record, Open Your Eyes? I love them both equally, but I have the caveat of having the profile double CD. So I was exposed to both at the same time after I heard the Warzone 7-inch for the first time. So only because those came as a package that I literally just swallowed them up. And then I got to see Warzone in the business, which then cemented their importance to me. Zach, what do you say? Open my eyes or no? Open your eyes or no? I, I like it, but don't forget the struggle. Don't forget the streets is classic. And I chose it because it sounds good, right? I'm not holding anyone's feet on. I'm not holding anyone's feet to the fire to like the seven inch. Cause the second side, like I have no idea what the fuck is going on. I mean, on they, were, they were, they were literally looking at a squat and Ray was like chasing around dogs. So it's <laughs> sorry that the record's not perfect. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'm saying like, it's not universal where I think that by the time, they do the first LP. It sounds good. You know, I, cause some people don't like the old punk sound and I think that's okay. You know, it's okay to not like everything, but there's a nice, pretty modern recording on. Don't forget the struggle where there's not like a distracting recording. And I just think that there's so much soul coming out of that record. And 
it's perfect I, hardcore. I love that. Let's point. hear R- Richie's answer because he hasn't. He's had so much time to think. I, I think he's got something clever. Well, here. it's nothing clever, but uh, if you look at that first album as a standalone album, then yes. I agree. You can't be like a hardcore kid without appreciating that. But the thing is, if you look in to what would become of Warzone, then you could totally be disgusted by Warzone. I know this is sacrilegious, <laughs> but they sold out pretty hard. I mean, you got to admit, like we could pray. The bullet yeah, holes. They, they wanted bad. to become right. rockers. They wanted to become, you know, and, and good for them. They took a shot. They rolled the dice, and then they had to come back and and do what they were meant to do from the first place. So, I could see a kid checking that out and being like, "Yo, this is dope." And then if he keeps on going, he might be like, "Oh, wait a minute, nah, fuck these dudes." You know what I mean? It just worked out. I know it's a sacrilegious thing to say. Because I played the shit out of that first Warzone. I know every lyric going in there, every little guitar part. But eventually, I became pretty disappointed with uh, Warzone and the direction they went. But a lot of bands in that time went. That's like, straight what, up hardcore I'm, I'm bands you, back I'm then. I'm glad you brought just that up. turned into like, I want to be a rock band now. I want to be, it's like, it was a very weird time, you know? Not all of them, you know, but some. Not to. Dude, but their tracks on that cause for alarm oh, yeah, split when they hard, came back and play hardcore. Hard. Those are some of the best songs and ever. Before I don't want to pull this anyway, but there is a sim there is a similarity to what we talked about with terror into this. There are bands at every turn that start changing their music towards something that they thought would be more accessible. And it's the unfortunate nature of this whole thing, which is why it's so important with a 20 year career for terror that You've never seen uh, everybody in terror sit down on a chair and start playing some acoustic jams. You've never seen a terror <laughs> get up on stage with only flying V's and long hair and shredded pants and start and Scott doing falsetto. Sometimes a band knows what they are and the conviction of what they are will br- bring them across any platform. And as a band that has probably played so many countries in the last 20 years, so many different parts of this fucking earth, they're able to be themselves. But if there was a time and actually two or three times I can think of where hardcore bands were literally just playing follow the leader or listening to shitty advice from quote unquote, here's the air quote industry people on the next moves, because some people feel as if there was no hope. Oh, you're never going to make it as long as you're blah, blah, blah. And it's a shame. Cause I think like you said, and Zach, that was a great point. Cause you're, you're right. You know, uh, don't forget the struggle is a landmark record and sound wise. It's absolutely Un- unparalleled for that for that whole group of bands that was one of the few really great new york hardcore recordings at the time so you made a great point in that but i do think that to stand up for Warzone, these are street kids they saw a lot of bands from boston trying it there was a couple bands from new york trying it they saw the chromags the leeway stuff they saw different things and they went in the direction and they failed miserably and the lord and savior brought them back to the streets and that's why we get uh, an entire victory run of Ray before he passed away. And if you get to see them before that, it was still cool. And you know what? To say something about Ray, I booked a, a show for him once and it was a complete flop. And he was so easy going on me when it came time to pay him because he knew I was a hardcore dude. He was a hardcore dude. And he, he was very lenient. You know, I was prepared to pay what I had, but with his eyes, he saw the crowd and it didn't work out. And uh, I always respected the dude. Good like that. I'm just talking about that time when bands would just 
they would just flip on sound and be like, what the fuck are they doing? But let's, let's keep this in mind with terror. It's like our scene is, is let's, let's use the title of their first, you know, uh, the, our scene is the lowest of the low. It really is. We have just a handful of bands that are full-time bands and even fewer than that, that can make a living off this kind of music. For what reason? I don't know. Because when I see these bands play, they're doing great. It just, it, it, this, our scene doesn't get the respect and the music business it deserves for, for whatever reason. So we have to, uh, I mean, terror was, is probably like the last band to, uh, what we see if we, if we're going to include knock loose in the list and stuff like that, uh, but Terror's like one of the last bands to be a full-time touring hardcore band. That's just hardcore. No this, no hardcore slash, you know. But the only thing Terror did wrong on this last album is they had that death metal dude. It gets a guest vocal. <laughs> just not, Get him, Richie. Get him. Only because of this. I wanted <laughs> that scene to invite someone from our scene first to go over there and sing on their yeah. record. And then maybe we let them come over here, but that's just my Vogel's pandering. Way of but <laughs> no, I'm not saying that because he maybe he's a fan of the band. I don't know much about that world. Where's Cannibal Corpse from? Buffalo. Oh, you put us a one guy that's not from Buffalo, that's right? Right, but you don't want when I reached Mark. out to the band, Mark. when I reached out to the band, who did I talk to? Someone from Riverside, Buffalo. No, no, I listen, mean, yo, he actually knows crazy amounts of hardcore work. shit, Richie. He was on tour with Greg yes, Daly. He does. And it was uh Cannibal Corpse he and loves Napalm Death. Warzone. And Greg Daly said that Corpse Grinder was Okay, let me let me Corpse Grinder was running Why around. did he invite a hardcore dude on his record if he loves hardcore so much? Never wait, happened. Wait, Joe, 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 let me get Richie. Did Terror make a mistake when we got Vinny Paz on our record? No way. No. no. Well, he's a hardcore kid that does. Yeah, rap. that's rap though. This is this is like the, the heavy <laughs> the heavy music scene. I'm Get talking about rich. the heavy music scene. Get him rich. <laughs> he had he had Scott in a video though, right? Who did a video? Oh yeah, Vinny what kind of video? He was like a Lego yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Right, Vinny, Scott, o- like, yo, Vinny only goes to see Scott come and play. Philly, Vinny don't even come to eat with us. Like he might come to the tattoo shop, but he knows if Scott plays a show. It's almost required for him to come out. <laughs> He'll blow me off sometimes. No, the Paz is number one. He's you gotta you always respect <laughs> that. But I'm just saying, I want I want some I want some respect from those scenes, you know, and uh it just it's it's a shame that it's kind of cool. It's it our scene is so exclusive and underground it it keeps it beautiful in a way, but at the same time, you know, when we do see things like uh like turnstile on a on a, ta- on a late night ho- show it's it's cool it's good to get it's good to get some some props some recognition but uh i just don't let me let me defend terror for okay. a minute i saw cannibal corpse very first show opening it up for the accused and br- with brotherhood they are from buffalo corpse grinders from baltimore we toured with them, I don't know, let's say 10 years ago, and we would post up some days with George, and he knows words to Cro-Mags, Youth of Today, Warzone, Gorilla Biscuits. So, All right. 
You can have your your little fantasy opinion, but that's the reality, my friend. Knowing they're from Buffalo, that does help a little bit. That does make me feel a little better. Knowing that there's a past relationship <laughs> makes me feel a little better. You understand I'm just being protective of our thing. That's all. I just know you're insane. It. <laughs> Scott, how do you feel about the uh, the term legacy band? I don't – I mean – I don't really pay much attention to stuff like that. I, I even see like little uh, whatever blurbs on the internet. Terror, hardcore legends. I'm just like, uh, I I don't feel that way. I don't put that on us. I would never say that about us. But if I step back and really analyze it, I can see where people call us a legacy band. But I it. When I see things like that, it literally goes in one ear and one eyeball and out the other. I just, it doesn't affect me at all. Now, I know that you said that you have your feelings on the term legacy band, but in looking at your career and the amount of bands that you sang in and all the places all over the world that you played in, at a certain point in time, it had to hit you that you yourself, because you said, you know, legend, you yourself, all the all the all the records you played on, all the lyrics that you wrote, you had to understand at some point that you were more than just a guy on the microphone. Like you were beyond your average hardcore singer, and you were a legacy person in the career, which is a term we can use considering what Despair did to Buried Alive, which segued into Terror and even World we'll Be Free. Like you're someone who is impactful to this entire scene, which your bands have played all over the world. So you may not like the term legacy, but you yourself have a legacy and you've had an impact on hardcore. When do you think the first time you really felt that you had some importance behind what you were saying and what you were doing and what it meant to people? Hmm. So I think that, the time and place when I really see people treat me a little bit different would, would be Europe. Like, uh, say like a persistence tour, like a bigger tour. There's a thousand people at the show. Um, you know, if, if I'm at a show in the U S and stuff, you know, people just treat me like either don't treat me like anything or just have normal, interactions with me but at a certain time when terror got to a certain level in europe and had gone so much and we've put out so much like at a bigger persistence store if i tried to if i did go out into the crowd like go see our who's selling our merch or just go check out the show i would have several people coming and taking pictures with me and shaking my hands and just like just wanting to talk to me and and corner me and and stuff like that and and get that vibe like just showing me that they thought that I was like I don't know it's it's just weird for me to even say this stuff but like like giving off that vibe like I'm this rock dude and they wanted to be a part of it or or whatever and that's just like so not who I am, you know. I don't have a costume or a gimmick or any of that stuff. So when some of that stuff happened, it's very uh, uh, makes me feel really weird. 
But I guess from your question, that's the time when I first would see that and realize that. I think that kind of caveats off the the war zone question. And I know this is awkward, Scott, but I think the word is kind of giving you your props, right? Like at some point you did become one of the main hardcore flag bearers. And it's like one of those things that we kind of agree on. Like, oh, Vogel's going to be the one to wave the hardcore flag. I'm all right with that. Um, yeah, so, uh, I, anywhere we go with this, I'm going to be weirded out and try to backpedal my way out of it. I, the, the three of you, all the nice things you've said about me and terror, it means the world to me, but I don't have the social skills to, to take it gently and, and stuff like that. It just, it's just weird to me. That's fair. <laughs> like me out. Scott is uh, trying to be modest, but uh, if you share, I'm really just. Before, you I have posters. Ego, you had to deal with his ego, and it's it's rough. It's very rough. I've got posters all over myself here. I'm just staring at them. Our gold records. <laughs> Scott, check this out. With this album, all right, this new album. If you could choose a tour, okay, two other bands. And yourself, you're out there just promoting this album, playing nothing off this album. What is the ideal tour right now to promote this album? Damn. Terror, death threat. I love that so far. Terror, death threat, and... give me a sec give me a second let's go terror death threat section hate let's book them let's go nice very nice man i hope it happens I could do a ten of those. I, I would you know like what? You could make that happen pretty pretty easy, Scott. Work on it. You might know a guy. Incendiary oh, yeah. and Berthold City. I'll do that one too. That would be cool. Dope. Berthold City, very <laughs> cool. That new release is dope. New record does hit. Scott, I know you we're kind of pounding you with these, but what is uh what do you think the legacy of terror is at this point? Hmm. I hope. I mean, that that's up to the people to decide because I don't think I can spell out what it is. But I hope it's a it's a lot of stuff what you guys have have said and and what I've tried to confirm that we are just five hardcore kids that still. I mean. We're so crazy that when we have a day off on tour still and we're in our late forties, we're looking to see if there's a show to go to. Like that's just where our family is. That's where we have fun. That's where we want to be. Um, you know, I still, you know, get demos and pop them in and be like, Oh fuck, this is awesome. Like that's like my favorite thing when I still find a young band that like really hits me. So what I'm getting at is I think, I hope our legacy is five kids that still care and that are just making hardcore and you'd walk past us on the street 
and we'd look exactly the same as as you would as if you see us take the stage. And I think uh, like you guys analyze the lyrics, we're still writing lyrics that are hopefully touching people and mean something and speak to uh, the scene and the world. I hope to God that's what our legacy is. It's an interesting thing to have to take a look at, right? To be introspective and say, what is our impact or where are we impacted or who are we impacting? But something I think you could easily answer is the fact that I found that terror is always on the new page, whatever the next band is. Like, And, and Knock Loose brought up earlier, it's important to say there are older bands who would not have been told by their management or okay with having a younger band play over them on a tour. But I thought that move was important for Terror and for Knock Loose to play a show together and then turn it into tour. I, I'll say that that tour potentially exposed more kids to hardcore than we could count right now, for better or worse. <laughs> And I think that you have done that a few times. Like, I think there was a time when you played Philly and maybe Stick to Your Guns played over you guys or something like that. I know there's been times where bands that have been around less than you have have played over you. And I never seen you be like miffed, upset, or even feathers ruffled over it because you're like, fuck it. I- I'm-, I'm here to do my job. And I love the professionalism. And the understanding of the bigger picture when terror is in these positions. When when that knock loose tour uh, was uh, you know br- brought up, I was so that's perfect for me. That's perfect for terror, and I knew that, and and I knew that was the way the the correct billing should be the reality of it. But you don't know how many people said to me. Who is this band and why are they playing over you? Why did you, hardcore kids, a lot of people in bands that I'm friends with, like, would just reach out to me and like, how are you opening for this band? And I I think it's one of the beautiful things about terror is we're just still involved. Like, we know what's going on. We know the the vibe and the energy and we we know... We also know our place in it. Terror can play a huge festival and the next day go play in someone's basement and not be affected by that. And more so, I think we'll also maybe enjoy the basement more with 40 kids jumping off the walls as opposed to getting the festival and... uh, telling the world we played with Iron Maiden and having the photo that makes it look like we played at 20,000 people every night. But, you know, I think we just still really enjoy that grimy, dirty stuff. Let's wrap around and give like final thoughts on this new record. Um, Joe, what's your overall thoughts on this record and where it fits into the Terra catalog? In, knowing that Todd Jones had a hand, a deep, heavy hand in his production, it is impossible to not put it in the top three, which is fucked up because low is a low 
always a hard way, dude. How the fuck do you have two back records back to back, and then did not include one with the underdog? So, I would I would have to say this would have to knock one of those three out of the box for me. Even though keep when we especially when Terror played Philly Keepers of the Faith, that record was fucking massive. And, and I just think the reason why it's probably in the top three of their overall releases is it really does touch back to that while adding a sound that is so now. I know it sounds weird. This is so now, but really is because if terror would try to do an only the lowest of the low record, the kids who are looking for this big mosh part would be left out. I think for a band that's 20 years into writing records could go in any fucking direction to keep true to their original roots while expanding, have a modern sound, but sounds still perfectly like a hardcore. It's, it's fucking so rare. And I was so excited when I saw the track and it said 18 minutes. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? And I thought maybe there's going to come in two parts or something. But mm-hmm. it's a perfect record. It's a perfect time for Terror to have this perfect record. And Hardcore needs a record by a stalwart veterans of the fucking scene who have waved the flag for us in every point in this fucking world through so many different times when the warp tour was the thing you wanted to be on to when you want to be on this kind of tour. You want to be on this kind of tour. You want to do this. You guys are like the fucking pyramids now in hardcore. Other shit changes. Terror stays the same. I fucking love this record. I'm so fucking happy for you guys. I cannot wait to see. This is like knowing what the present is for the kids and being like, like the uncle, like I can't wait for these kids to hear this thing. Like I'm so fucking excited to see some young kid who's not ready to hear his first amazing terror record in his timeline, like the new shit. I'm just so fucking excited. I'm so happy for these guys that they're continuing to keep things the way they are. And to segue back to things we said, they haven't forget the struggles and they haven't forgot the streets. And this shit is fucking bomb. And I love it. Beautiful. Thank you. Take it, Richie. Uh, okay. Like final thoughts of the, uh, of the album, okay. Terror, pain into power. Okay, let me let me see how this goes here. It's it's v- vicious, relentless. Okay, textbook, all aspects of hardcore, of authentic hardcore. It's like the perfect percentage of outside influence. So you know, it's a little little outside vibe in there, but just enough that it doesn't overtake or lose the essence of hardcore lyrically. It's a dismal, miserable peek into the mind of someone who typical hardcore kids of this genre will relate to but what scott gives us is a little glimmer of hope hiding away in the corners of those lyrics i saw it a couple times so it's not just complete negativity musically hits all the right tempos in the pocket drumming the dirty ass bass raw bass tone very cool the guitars are thick but still sizzling. Like it's, it's got the live vibe. It, it could overtake my favorite album. It, you know, it's definitely it, it's more likely to happen because this is so fresh for me, and I thought it wouldn't have a shot against that last one. But this is really good. Very, you know, high respect to the band, and uh, I'm not just gassing you up. This is this is a real deal, and like Joe was saying, I'm excited for younger heads to get a hit off this because it's it's hardcore and it's you know what's going on in hardcore right now not completely but 
in a lot of cases, it's stuff that is so far off, it doesn't even have a similar vibe or energy. It's just a, it's a different style of music that, you know, they're playing shows with hardcore bands and we're calling it hardcore, which is fine. That's all good. But I'm excited for kids to hear this because this is a real good version of authentic hardcore in in the sense that I understand hardcore, me coming up in the 90s, the bands I love, and uh, it's top-notch respect. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the bass tone because it is so ill. And I love that that build-up part on the Boundless Contempt song, the, the third song, when like the build-up to the mosh is just like the bass and the, the drums. S- so cool. And then Nick does great, tasteful double kick on the end of that song. Like It's not overbearing but he's like i still got it dude if you need it i got it <laughs> you know i just think it's impressive like they did it again you know and i think this is gonna be a big one because it's a great story right todd coming back todd refuses to put out bullshit he trimmed the fat he got it down to 10 songs maybe pushed you in that direction and maybe that's where it needed to be because i really think the last two records were awesome and I don't think anyone should overlook any part of the terror catalog. You know, I think that if you shaved off a few songs of those last couple of records, they're almost as good as this. But this is a spectacular record. And for a band to do it as their eighth LP, good God, dude, tip your hat, right? The whole terror ride is ill from the first song, you know, better off without you. Like first LP, first song through this. Like there's always stuff to pluck. Um, you know, Scott, you low, you low rate down uh, the damn ashamed a little bit, but there's gold on there too, right? Betrayer, one of the best terror songs. You know, it's on there, and like this, is just it's a band that has done it so consistently for 20 years. They've never sold out in any aspect. They've kept it real musically as people, and it's just what we look for. And I'm glad any year with a terror LP is a good year for hardcore, and uh, this is a great terror LP. So 2022, great year for hardcore. And uh, yeah, Scott, what's your final thoughts? Uh, Hearing all that means a lot to me. Um, I'm really excited for the record to come out as well. And I just want to say I love all the people in the band. And uh, I appreciate you guys having me. And yeah, your, your words are all three of your words are still going through my brain and it, it, it means so much to hear that. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to tour on this and I look forward to seeing probably all three of you in the next month on these shows we have coming up. 